So before we pray, I want to share just a short story. It may be familiar to a few of you. When my nephew was three, Mason moved with his family to a new house. And for Mason, that meant a new preschool. Every morning, he would walk a few short blocks with his mother, and his school day would end when she would come back and collect him at the end of the day. He made a quick adjustment. He loved his teachers. He was curious about the other kids. His parents were delighted. But one day, when my sister-in-law, Deanna, arrived to pick him up, the teacher indicated that she needed a moment alone. The teacher told Deanna that that day at snack time, the children had been given little crackers. And Mason had decided that he wanted to save one of those crackers for his mother. And so for hours, he had been carrying that around in his little fist, unwilling to put it down. She said to Deanna, you are not going to want to eat the cracker. <laughs> it's been everywhere that he's been. Sometimes the scriptures that have come down to us through the generations, the stories that have been told and retold in one language and then in another, they may seem to us a bit like Mason's Cracker. We are not sure how to receive them. Perhaps we are a bit embarrassed by their present condition. Perhaps we wonder whether they still offer trustworthy nourishment in our own day and age. And yet, all of this witness has been faithfully held for us. It's been handed on with the trust and the confidence that it will mean love and life to us, that we will encounter God through these words because they have been food for God's people for millennia. And so each week, before we read from the scriptures, we pray a prayer for illumination. We pray that God's light will shine in and through these human words that we might discover in them an invitation to deeper relationship, more faithful service, and more abundant life. For beloved of God, that's what the word tradition means. Nothing more than something that has been handed to you. Something that you now have charge of. Will you pray with me? Holy and merciful God, intrude now into our settled minds and our distracted hearts with a word that might remake us. For we long to honor the name that we carry and we pray by the power of your breath within us. Amen. Our first reading comes from the book of Exodus. The Hebrew people have just been rescued from slavery in Egypt. With God's guidance, Moses is leading them through the long years in the wilderness to the land that God has promised to them. But as we pick up the story, Moses has retreated up to the top of the mountain to commune with God. And he has left the people down below in the keeping of his brother Aaron. And Moses has been gone for a long time. Listen for God's word to the church this day. 
When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and they brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, formed it in a mold and cast an image of a calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, He built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day. They offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being, and the people sat down to eat and to drink, and they rose up to revel. The Lord said to Moses, go down at once. Your people, whom you brought from the land of Egypt, have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf. They have worshiped it and sacrificed to it, he said, saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them, and of you I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand, Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath. Change your mind. Do not bring disaster on this people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven and all this land I have promised I will give to your descendants. They shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. The second reading this morning is from John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world 
did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, or not of the man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is only God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart and who has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So a few weeks ago, my husband and I had a chance to go away for the weekend. I was ready for a good novel, so I grabbed a last-minute recommendation and off we went. Susie Boyd's latest book is about a woman, Ruth, who is raising her granddaughter, Lily, because the daughter who gave birth to Lily is mired in addiction. Toward the end of the book, Lily describes the day that her fragile mother showed up unannounced just as school was letting out. Lily knew that she couldn't, oops, excuse me, I have made a dramatic uh, entrance here. Lily knew as her mother came that she couldn't go home with her, but she later remembered the encounter this way. She said, all I could think was that I wanted to give her a present suddenly or to say something amazing. I wished I were wearing a special piece of jewelry I could take off and put into her hands, lift up her hair, fasten around her neck. In the end, though, I just said I was sorry I couldn't go with her this time, and I gave some excuses, and she gave me a hug. At least her arms wrapped me round, but they felt so stiff and strange. Lily continues, It made me think of a time that Ruth and I were having a picnic in a church garden on one of our walks. I stopped in front of a grave, a small ancient one. There was flaky gray stone with moss in the cracks and long grass growing all around. I started to laugh and Ruth asked me why. It says, loved and missed, I said. Well, what's funny about that? Well, it kind of sounds like the person tried to be loving, but the target moved, or the aim was wrong, and the love didn't quite get through. It didn't hit home or didn't work out for some reason, or, or, or maybe they just weren't very good at it. Loved and missed. Truth be told, isn't that descriptive of most of our relationships? The child whose needs you don't quite understand the parent who clearly hoped for something else, the sibling whose craving overflows, the friend who pulls away, the neighbor whose ways are strange to us. How hard it can be 
even when everyone in the room has the best of intentions, how hard it can be to offer the kind of love that is needed and how hard it can be to receive the kind of love that is offered. In the confusion of daily living, how hard it can be to trust. So in today's reading, when we come upon the Hebrew people in the desert, they are having a hard time trusting. Yes, God heard their cries when they were in bondage and raised up their leader Moses and brought them out of slavery and has been feeding them in the wilderness, but there was a lot of suffering and fear and thirst along the way. And there never was a day when they had more than just a day or two's supply of food. There are a lot of ways to tell any story. But the people are weary and they don't see what lies ahead and they've been stalled at the base of this mountain for a long time. Moses must have been gone for 40 days. They imagine they might feel better if there were something to hold on to, if there were something dependable that they could gather around, maybe they wouldn't feel so alone and so vulnerable. And so they ask Aaron to make gods, to bolster their courage. They tell themselves that this is all going to be part of their worship of God. Now, as readers, we know something that the people don't know. The people don't know that even as they are feeling abandoned and taking matters into their own hands, God and Moses are up on the mountain sketching the boundaries of the life that they are all going to share, imagining how it will be that a holy God might travel with a fearful people in a way that would allow them not only to survive, but to flourish. The people don't know that even in their moment of anxious plotting, God is providing for them. The people don't know that what they are about to do will break God's heart. They just forge ahead, swapping an object that cannot speak or act, guide or care for them, for the living God whose creative, liberating, sustaining love offers them life in all of its fullness. So this is a limited analogy, but imagine if the person you'd married let you know before you even got settled in your first house that you know, after all, they didn't need for you to move in. They were just going to sleep with a stuffed animal and pretend that it was you. <laughs> when God sees what the people choose, what they settle for, God's grief erupts in anger. God imagines changing course, using Moses rather than this wayward people to bring about the blessing that God intends for the world. It is a harrowing moment in this origin story, but in the words of the psalmist, Moses steps into the breach of this ruptured relationship. He does not try to defend the people's actions, but neither does he abandon that people. Instead, he appeals to God's own integrity and faithfulness. He asks God to be only who only God can be. 
For by this time, God has schooled Moses in the kind of prayer that aligns hearts and wills. And in the fullness of time, as we heard in the John reading, God will find a way to dwell with the people that will compromise neither God's holiness nor the people's need for a companion they can touch and see. God will be present in their midst, not just in the cloud and the fire, but in a human being who will feed them and touch them, teach them, lead them, heal them, be their rabbi and their friend. And beloved of God, because we bear that rabbi's name, we also share his calling. How that plays out, though, It'll be different for each community and each follower. Here is just one story that I was given permission to share. The background is this. For the next couple of years, I will be serving as the co-moderator of our Presbytery's examination committee. I'd really like to find a different name for what we do. But we are charged with having searching conversations with pastors who have received a call to ministry within the bounds of this presbytery. Earlier this month, we met with a young pastor who is coming to serve at a Christian camp. He told us that he had first sensed a call to ministry while he was out working in remote wilderness settings. He sensed God's nearness in the beauty and in the regenerative capacity of creation And he often found himself deep in conversation with persons who had been hurt by the church. And he found himself thinking, I could be a pastor to these people. Ultimately, he found his way to seminary. Our committee's conversation meandered a lot of different places as we talked until one of us asked him how it was that he understood God's power He began by saying, well, first of all, not very well, for which I gave him points. (laughs) But then he went on to elaborate. His first call was as, as an associate to a church that was seeking to do ministry in fresh ways. He was quickly ordained, just in time for the senior pastor to go out on family leave. Shortly after she left, he received word that a family from the church vacationing in Florida had been struck by a lightning bolt. The father was dead. The mother initially was left blind. There were two little girls. The young pastor said he had no idea what to do, no idea what to say. He hadn't even met the family. He just got online, bought the first plane ticket he could find, and went to Florida, ready to stay for as long as he might be needed. He told us he wanted to be very careful about ascribing God's power to those events. He did not believe that God had caused that lightning strike. We talked for a bit, and I ventured that from where I sat, It seemed to me that God's power was most evident in his impulse to buy that ticket and go directly to where the suffering was. Because in the end, it is much less about what we say or what we do and so much more about whether we show up.
Yes, you and I will love and miss each other over and over and over again. But God knows how we are made and God can use that. The world is full of people who feel alone even when they are surrounded by others. On this cool October morning, whose needs weigh on your heart? Is it kids who don't feel seen by the adults in their lives? Is it inmates who have no visitors? Neighbors who don't know where they're going to sleep tonight? Captured Israeli children serving as human shields? Gazans fleeing with nowhere to go? Afghanis who are afraid that the earth will shift again beneath their feet? The myriad persons whose tragedies did not make the morning headlines? Who needs for us to stand in the breach of a ruptured relationship? Who needs us just to come? May we have ears to hear and hearts to respond as the Spirit leads us. Amen.